Every week, Hillsdale College President Larry Arn joins Hugh Hewitt to discuss great books, great men, and great ideas. This is the Hillsdale Dialogues, presented by Hillsdale College. To find more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, and Ricochet. During these last months, the king walked with death as if death were a companion, an acquaintance whom he recognized and did not fear. In the end, death came as a friend. And after a happy day of sunshine and sport, and after good night to those who loved him best, he fell asleep as every man or woman who strives to fear God and nothing else in the world may hope to do. I, whose youth was passed in the august, unchallenged and tranquil glories of the Victorian era, may well feel a thrill in invoking once more the prayer and the anthem. God save the Queen. Morning, glory, bonjour, hi, and welcome to the Hillsdale Dialogue. I am Hugh Hewitt. My guest is Dr. Larry Arn, for whom this is probably a very sad day, as it is for his wife, uh, the First Lady of Hillsdale, Penny Arn, born a subject of the Queen, now a citizen of the United States. But, Dr. Arn, good morning. I thought I would begin with Winston Churchill on the day of George's death and the accession of Elizabeth, because he was her first prime minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, uh, he, he met her when she was two and a half years old and, uh, wow. thought she was beautiful, uh, described her, uh, growing up. Uh, she was a tremendous horsewoman, by the way, and she loved farms and horses and she was good at them. She raced horses. She raced horses against Churchill's horse several times after he got old and rich he started racing horses, and they always, and he always won. And uh, she was a, so so yeah, she was, uh, she was a personality to him. And of course, he was. Uh, well, you have to, to understand them. You have to understand her father. Uh, her father was the George the Sixth, the man with the stutter. Uh, he was shy. Uh, his brother Edward. Uh, succeeded to the throne when George V died. About George V dying, dying Churchill said uh, he was with him a couple of weeks before he died, and he said, uh, we went out to shoot, and finally a loyal stag came forward to do his duty, and the king got to kill one more. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then Edward was a bounder. He was not a good man and uh, Nazi-connected and irresponsible. And so finally he abdicated, having done Churchill some dirty along the way. Churchill was very loyal to the monarchy. Uh, And then the brother comes in, and the brother was spectacular. And they went through the Second World War together, and there was danger. And there was this little girl, a pair of little girls, in the household. And Churchill fell in love with them. And, uh, you know, and there was, it was really remarkable. 
uh, Churchill wrote to the to George the Sixth once when invasion was imminent in 1940. He said, uh, uh, "You should think about going to Canada." And uh, and George the Sixth wrote back to him and said, "Well, then I will travel with you." <laughs> <laughs> and Churchill wrote to him. I think in that case that we should uh, defend ourselves at Downing Street, where the fields of fire are better than at the palace. So they went through all that together. And there was this little girl, and she was just, she, she, I mean, have you looked at the young pictures of her? Cause she oh, wasn't. she's beautiful, yeah. There's a good movie about her called The Queen, uh, and Helen Mirren played her, and she's an excellent actress and a beautiful woman. She's not as pretty as the Queen. The Queen yeah. was just... Knocked down, good looking. You know, my favorite part of that movie is, Larry Arn, is when she's repairing the Jeep that is stalled out at Balmoral. And yeah. she's in her wellies and her scarf, and she gets out and derisively rejects uh, uh, offers of assistance because she's a mechanic. Yeah. That's my favorite yeah. part of that movie. Well, that's, and see, that's, she, she was, if you think about her life, uh, uh, we'll talk about my wife a little bit if you want to, because I, I tried to I tried to get her to come on this show. unsuccessfully. No, I, you know I can't do a thing with that woman. She's uh, it, it would be terribly unlike her uh, to talk in public to strangers, which all of you are, but not to me, uh, about things that she loves and interests she's cultivated all her life. How would you uh, characterize her reaction? I mean, she must love the queen. She was born oh, yeah. a subject of. So how, how would you characterize her reaction? Well, it, she said, uh, I felt as if I've lost a parent who's been with me rock solid every day of my life. That's what she said. She said, uh, and it, you know, she taught me to love the queen. I, you know, Chir Churchill was not fully successful. I'm from Arkansas. You know, we don't say majesty. Uh, and, uh, you know, I understand the institution as a thing, as a very happy thing when it's good. But uh, uh, her particular grace about it was awesome. Uh, there was a long time when, uh, you know, well, she, you know, she's very old. And Charles is 73 and is now Charles Third. I told my wife that. I think the style may prove in, in Britain that they behead every other Charles. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're joking, of course. But, but, but I'm telling you right now, Charles III is not a, Charles is not a lucky name in British history. No, it's not. And, and uh, he's, you know, I, I pray that he will be good because the, monar the British monarchy is one of the oldest institutions in the Western world, and it, it fulfills a sublime function. And she has fulfilled it better than anyone, and for longer than anyone. And so they will miss that, and it will hurt the country if it doesn't function properly. Uh, it, you know, if so, we, we've been we've done the history plays, uh, Shakespeare's history plays, and now we're doing uh, English-speaking peoples. The monarchy is a mess, and they're always killing each other. And, you know, and sometimes there's a good one, and often there's not, and it just spreads chaos everywhere. Well, they took all that out of it, right, because the king and the, or the queen uh, rule, uh, reigns but does not rule. Churchill was a huge believer in that institution. 
And so what do they do that's important? What they do is supply continuity. Uh, governments change, but at the beginning of each year of parliament, uh, the, the monarch uh, gets in a fancy carriage and rides to a certain uh, gate into the Palace of Westminster on the House of Lords side, and she sits in her throne room, which is immediately through the door, and she receives dignitaries privately, and then she walks directly out onto the uh, floor of the House of Lords, and she de- de- delivers a speech that's written for her by the government, and it's what they're proposing to do for the next year. And those words are announced by her, although they contrive it. And that means that uh, I've often said that, uh, I, I once said to Martin Gilbert, I said, you know, it does put a constraint on what they uh, put in the platform, their plan for the year, that she has to read it out. And sometimes he said, and he said to me, sometimes insufficient constraint, <laughs> but, <laughs> but some constraint. And, and that continuity is crucial. And then she was a beautiful and charming woman of real strong character. And uh, so, you know, they're going to miss that. That's- yeah, I want to read to you. I've been reading, I read Boris Johnson's tribute, which is just quite wonderful. It's in the mm. Telegraph. But there's also uh, Alison Pearson column. There she was on Tuesday at Balmoral. Frail, yes, but welcoming her 15th prime minister with the most wonderful smile, immaculate in gray tartan skirt and pearls. Everything must have been shutting down by then. But duty, her irreducible core, would be the last thing to go. Yeah, that, see, that's very defining of her. She, she uh, back in the day, uh, there was a time when Charles was, you know, becoming a middle-aged man and then a late middle-aged man. And when's he ever going to get his chance? And, and uh, there was lots of gossip about that, and gossip about whether their relations, the Queen and Charles, were good, whether she was just clinging on. And I said, why doesn't she let him do it? And my wife said the simple thing. She took an oath. She took an oath. I will be right back. Dr. Larry Arden is president of Hillsdale College. We are doing a special Hillsdale Dialogue. Welcome back, America, to the Hillsdale Dialogue. I am Hugh Hewitt. All things Hillsdale are found at hillsdale.edu. Dr. Learn is president of Hillsdale College in his youth, part of the official biography team uh, of Winston Churchill. And so he knows the Elizabeth story about as well as any American can. And Elizabeth, until yesterday, was the monarch of not only the United Kingdom, but Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, many, many countries in the Caribbean, places like Jamaica and the Bahamas, uh, just a far-flung empire of goodwill. And, and Dr. Arm, when you were going out there, you began to say about her sophistication. Sorry, repeat that. Begin to say about uh, your, her your comment to me about her sophistication. Oh, well, I, uh, I think she was probably the most sophisticated woman in the world, but also she was a country girl, and she liked to shoot and she liked to ride horses above all, and you commented that she could fix trucks. And, yes. uh, yeah, she was, <laughs> and, you know, uh, the queen is uh, one of the richest people in the world, uh, and sort of the compensation for the fact that she lived a life of duty for these 70-plus years 
she 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 had a she, she got to go to Balmoral. She loved that place. That's way up in Scotland, and they have Windsor Castle, which is close to London, ancient place, and they have Buckingham Palace. They have other places too, and so she when she could get away, and she could sometimes, then she got to do things that she loved in places that were familiar to her. Attributed to her, and I use it often, I hope it's true, it ought to be true, is the saying, the essence of good taste is never to be offended by bad taste. And when you say the most sophisticated person in the world, I think you mean she can just deal with everyone at every level, no matter the situation and circumstance. I have a story about that. Uh, Martin Gilbert was invited to Easter weekend at Windsor. Oh. And... uh, he, I, I was back in America when this happened. It was in the 80s. And uh, he told me on the phone that he'd been. And I said, what was that like? And he said, well, it was magical, but I must describe it in person. No more talk of that now. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the points he made, you know, so first of all, they were driving up in their Volkswagen Rabbit or whatever it was, Golf, I think. And, you know, they drive up to the front door. And they ring the bell, and the queen and the and and the prince of uh, Edinburgh, Philip, her husband, answer the door. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they're you know they're just completely uh, at sea what to do, and they think what normal people think. Uh, where do I put the car? And they turned around, and the car was gone. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, uh, among uh, among the uh, so and you know then they're, uh, they ha- he had to describe to me in detail because their their cases were up in their room when they got up there. He, she gave them coffee first, uh, and then they were unpacked. And then when it was time to go, uh, they didn't see their cases again until they got home, and they took pictures of them because the way they were packed. <laughs> And uh, among the guests that weekend was the Turkish ambassador. And uh, telling about him, who was a charming man, she, he said, but he, he sort of committed a faux pas. He said, uh, uh, ma'am, do you have any uh, Turners here at Windsor? And, you know, it's a great English painter, Turner. And she said, no, but this is a very nice Rubens. <laughs> 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 And, uh, well, that is, the essence of good taste is never to be offended by bad taste or incomplete knowledge, right? It's just incomplete knowledge. I thought, well, we'll come back and talk about this because I don't know that there's any American who knows Margaret, Margaret Thatcher alive better than Larry Arne. And, uh, of course, Reagan is gone and George H.W. Bush is gone. But the people who knew Maggie Thatcher, I would say Larry Arne is probably foremost among Americans. And the Queen the miniseries did not actually communicate well the relationship between... Uh, Baroness Thatcher and Her Majesty Elizabeth. And I want to cover that. I also want to cover what it's like to not expect to be queen and then become queen because the abdication crisis, you will hear maybe referred to a little bit over the weekend if you watch this news. Very few people understand it. Larry Arn is one who does. Hillsdale Hour rolls along. Hillsdale.edu. All of our 450-plus Hillsdale dialogues are found at iTunes as well.
Welcome back, America. A sad but serendipitous Hillsdale Dialogue. All things Hillsdale are found at hillsdale.edu. My guest is Dr. Larry Arn, uh, president of Hillsdale College. And this is the last radio hour of every week. And it is sad but serendipitous that Queen Elizabeth died yesterday, so Dr. Arn would be here today to fill in some gaps that you will not get from most American media. Also sad but serendipitous that Dr. Arn and I have been plotting out the next many months of Hillsdale Dialogues, which, believe it or not, we set up months ago, are going to be about Winston Churchill's books, beginning with the week after next. Next week, we're just going to do politics and catch America up on where it is, but beginning with the history of the English-speaking peoples, continuing through great contemporaries and uh, the world crisis about World War One, and then Churchill's war memoirs. But we've been talking and deeply immersed in Churchill, and I've been spending hours in from Caesar to, I think we're up to uh, Richard III, and the arrival of uh, Henry Tudor in England when we are, that's what we've been focused on. But Dr. Arne, that means you are acquainted with, as a, as a Gilbert colleague, a biographer of Churchill, advisor to the, church, uh, the film The Finest Hour, I might add as well, which had to have some Elizabeth in it, um, about the abdication crisis. And I want people to understand that Elizabeth really wasn't expecting to be queen because of the circumstances of that and the trauma of it. Would you expand on what that meant to her and to the country and to the world, actually? Well, uh, so George V and George VI, sorry, George IV and George V reigned for a long time. And uh, George V had two sons, Edward and and. Uh, George, and Edward was the elder, and he was to be the heir, and he was raised to be the heir. And he was a show pony. It emerged, uh, I'll speak more harshly of him than Churchill would, it emerged that he was a bad man. And he was a bad man who was irresponsible. And he decided, after he becomes king, that he wants to marry a divorced woman, and in those days, that was very difficult. Uh, Charles is now married to such a woman, but it's not as difficult anymore. And so Stanley Baldwin, who was a master politician, and all basically almost every occasion outmaneuvered Winston Churchill, he's dealing with it, and Churchill is talking to Edward the King. And Edward leads Churchill astray, and he leads Churchill to think that he's being forced out. And he is in a way because uh, Baldwin and the nation really took the view you can't marry that woman. Uh, And Churchill stood up for him in in, 1936 and and, uh, gave a speech, and it was one of the worst received speeches he ever gave in his life because it seemed that everybody in the room knew the story except him. And that's because he had the story from Edward only. And, and you know, he, and, you know, by the time he spoke, they were basically reaching a resolution that he was going to go, and people had got their minds around it. But Churchill was isolated in those days. He wasn't talking to those people. He was fighting. And Baldwin wanted him to walk on the rake, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and he and you know Baldwin, you know Baldwin was very skillful, and Baldwin was not a bad man. He was a disastrous political career, appeasement, unready for the war, 
Um, but he, he, and Churchill was just, and Churchill was fighting with the leadership of the Conservative Party about appeasement in India. And so his lines of communication were no good. And the Labor Party actually was better because Baldwin was briefing them. And so that was a terrible thing, right? And I think that Edward led Churchill down the path. Uh, and so he, they do change, and now we have George the Sixth, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth's mother, father, and then it's you know the war breaks out, and Edward was a, he's now called the Duke of Windsor, and he's living in France, you know, which is conquered by the Germans, and sometimes in Portugal, which is surrounded by the Germans, but never taken. And uh, he he's hanging out with Nazis, uh, you know, diplomats and stuff. And he's, you know, the former king and the brother of the king. And Churchill gets a letter from him, from the king, from George VI, and says, my brother is proposing to come home and give a series of speeches about the war. And that's a crisis. And so Churchill writes him a letter. The letter exists today. It's it's published. It's in the Churchill Archive, uh, a copy of it. And he says uh, the the letters, I I can quote, quote it almost verbatim. My dear Windsor, I write to remind you that you have been appointed governor general of the Bahamas and you have not reported to your post. I remind you also that you are a field marshal in the British Army and subject, therefore, to all the rules of courts martial. <laughs> this is so subtle. That's masterful. <laughs> you will proceed forthwith to the Bahamas, and he did, and uh, so that you know. And then That's later, prudence. there. So when we're talking about Elizabeth, Elizabeth is her coronation is in 1952. Churchill is prime minister again. The war is over, and. He, the, the Duke of Windsor, is going to come, and he did come. And uh, Churchill helped to work that out, and everybody behaved themselves wonderfully. Uh, and then there's a extensive, not huge, but extensive correspondence between the Duke of Windsor and Churchill for years afterwards. And he wants little things, and Churchill, uh, you know, helps him get them sometimes. But yeah, that's and see that. But what this means is, because Edward was king for less than a year, and Elizabeth, we just looked it up because I'd forgotten the timeline. But uh, Elizabeth is is ten years old, and she's not being Ray. And you know, by the time you're ten years old, you you know you, you know what's going to happen to you if you're going to be the monarch. Yes. And she was raised. They were raised privately. Uh, George VI valued his privacy very much. And before he became king, even he, before he became king. He, he did not want to be king. And you know, he had a stammer, and that's famous. That movie made it famous. And, uh, and so now she's coming of the age of memory, right? And she gets the information that she's going to be the monarch. And so she starts getting ready. And and uh, that you know that changed everything you know a little girl right, and she was made for that job and it was her lifetime penance too 
And, yeah, I, uh, we watched, uh, Fetch Mrs. Hewitt and I watched an episode of Foyle's War last night, set in late 1942. And throughout that entire series, the underlying theme is those who did their duty and those who shirked it. Uh, you know, and how difficult it was for some and easy for others. But you did what you were supposed to do and you were esteemed. If you didn't, if you were a bounder and you went to one of the bunk holes, I don't know what the funk houses they called them, and, and lived in the country on your income, you were not esteemed. And she stayed in London, right? Joined the motor pool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody, everybody fought. I mean, you know, Churchill's children fought, and uh, so that, yeah, that's right. And she was, you know, she was a remarkably dutiful and gracious person. And and you know, just think, uh, Martin Gilbert says he got through to her one time. You know, because a lot of her life is autopilot done extremely well you know like there are many rules like you don't touch the queen uh if you if you go to see her uh, one of the things martin gilbert said is that after about an hour at windsor castle i figured out that embarrassment was simply impossible if i had forgotten to put my trousers on coming down to tea they would have handled that easily (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if, you, if you were if you were standing in a corner looking out of sorts, somebody with the manners of of a thoroughbred would walk up to you and he knew everything about you and he could engage you in conversation on any topic uh, and so it's you know she lived in a world like that, and he said he said to her and he's very proud of this, and this is very much his kind of thing. He said, ma'am, he said, uh, in, uh, i got to get the year right, in 1912, no, 19, she wasn't born, uh, I'm thinking, when she would have been on the Britannia, the, uh, the, the royal yacht, with Winston Churchill, and there was a time when she was, and Martin Gilbert knew the time, and knew that they were together, and he and he loved to ask particular questions. Where were you, and what was it like? Not what did, what did you think? It's, it's always remember what you thought about a thing. That's how memory works. But the details, if you recall one of them, everything comes back into place. And he said, uh, "You must have talked with Churchill," and. She, she replied, and she sort of stirred herself. She said, in my life, one doesn't get time to think, but I do remember that. And then they had a great talk about that trip. Oh, see? my goodness. See, that, that stir the memory. Oh, I want to I put one more thing on the record. We come back, we're going to talk about Baroness Thatcher, good friend of Dr. Arne and the Queen. But I want to, to let people know as well. Dave Zavagno is a friend of mine who lives in Cleveland and near... Um, Larry's land that stayed up north during the summer when he's there. He's the fellow who arranged for the reenactment of the the Battle of Lake Erie. David sent me a note last night. Along with the rest of the veterinary world, I am deeply saddened to hear the passing of Queen Elizabeth. She was both a large and small animal advocate who cherished pets with enthusiasm. We have lost an angel in the animal world, and she will be forever missed. And he enclosed a picture of Queen Elizabeth at the Queen's Hospital Animal Imaging Lab outside of London at the dedication ceremony. So she was the sponsor of many things, Larry Arn, but she loved the world of animals. Oh, yeah. 
And she, you know, she like one of the saddest things. She, they have the trooping of the colors in June, uh, and you know, an official ceremony in uh, celebration of the Queen's official birthday, whenever she was born. Um, and she, uh, she would ride a horse as a cavalry commander, and she was awesome at that. And and you know, she was beautiful to her last day. But when she was young, she was a knockout. And, and a formidable horsewoman. When we come back, Maggie Thatcher and Elizabeth, the, the one that will be most mischaracterized this week, and because it was most mischaracterized by the Queen, the TV miniseries, Dr. Arne will set that record straight. Let me remind everyone, all things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. All of you can also find all of the Hillsdale Dialogues at iTunes if you simply put in Hillsdale Dialogue on iTunes. Welcome back, America. It will be many, many, many decades, and long after I've gone to my reward and Dr. Larry Arn has gone to his, before someone says, God save the queen again, because monarchs appear in line that will be male for many, many decades, and um, inevitably, we hope that there will be another uh, queen. But Dr. Larry Arn is my guest, and he knew Maggie Thatcher very well, and Maggie Thatcher, of course, the I think the longest-serving prime minister for the uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. The only thing I will say about Elizabeth, I only deal in facts, Larry, because I don't know enough to grieve like an Englishman. Lord Melbourne was born in 1779. He was Victoria's first prime minister. Victoria lived in 1901. Churchill was born in 1874. He was Elizabeth's first prime minister. Liz Truss is her last. She was born in 1975. So you get from Lord Melbourne in the year of George Washington's inauguration being born to today with five names in British history. Great continuity. But in the middle of those names is Maggie Thatcher. What was the relationship between her and the Queen? Well, the first thing to know is it's hard to say uh, because there's a, a veil. Uh, uh, what, what, what do we know? In, in, uh, and it, it, it would be wrong to tell, you know, for the prime minister to tell private stories about the Queen, and they don't. And Margaret Thatcher didn't. Uh, there was speculation. The Queen is so gracious, and Margaret Thatcher is so combative. And uh, so there was lots of speculation that she rankled the, uh, the Queen. But there's no evidence of that that I know of. Uh, and, you know, Margaret Thatcher, like any decent prime minister, is very loyal to the Queen. And, you know, we have these fictional portrayals. You know, in the movie The Queen, Tony Blair is a big feature, and it shows him in a good light. Uh, and see, and see, that is with his wife, who thought the whole monarchy was stupid. In the movie, uh, who knows what the truth of it is? And he sort of came round to her, uh, began to see how important she was, but he, he didn't know. Well, Mrs. Mrs. Thatcher knew all about that. She, she treated the. She had great respect for the monarch, for the same reason she had great respect for the British Constitution, and you know this. You know these 
we have waves of politicians coming now, uh, some in both parties, in Britain and America, who think it's a new day, and what do those old things mean? Uh, so anyway, Margaret Thatcher understood that, and, and you know, she helped revive the dignity of all that. Yes, she did. That's very important. Liz Truss, I, I'm sure, will be eternally grateful that she got to be welcomed to office, and who knows how long she stays in office. It could be two years. It could be 12, uh, if she beats Thatcher. Uh, what do you make of the new prime minister, Dr. Art? Well, uh, I believe in being optimistic, and uh, there are some very good signs. Uh, also, we don't know. Uh, she's uh, going to take her foot off the gas, so to speak. She's going to put her foot on the gas about climate change. Um, put on the brake. On the yeah, brake. That's right. It. Uh, well, you know, if you use more gas, but. Uh, She thinks, her theme is, we have to work our way out of this mess. We've got to go to work. People got to not be taxed so heavy. People got to not be regulated so so heavy. And we've got to get some oil in North Sea and frack if we need to. So those are all great things. And the stories that I like, she apparently... She's very fond of Margaret Thatcher, and yes. there's an example for you. And uh, she's a she's a commoner, and, and she's a wonderfully educated cabinet, and she's very confident in her cabinet. She has her friends, and she has her advocates. But I'm awfully glad that Charles III's first prime minister is Liz Truss, who appears to be Thatcherite. Yeah, I, I and you know, the, uh, you can't tell what these royals think, you know, really think, uh, because it's hard. You know, they've got to talk all the time, and they're constrained in what they can say. Like, uh, I didn't like uh, Prince William, uh, now the the heir. Uh, I didn't like his talk at what was the big fancy thing this summer. Uh, The Jubilee. Yeah, the Jubilee. You know, and, and it's all about climate change. And that's the consensus opinion now. First of all, he was liberated to do that, whatever his private opinions, by the fact that Boris Johnson was going that way. And and that means you've got to pick your way through all of that. And uh, Charles and is experienced. But not as experienced as Elizabeth. Boy, we will miss her. Dr. Larry Arn, thank you for joining me on short notice to uh, rearrange everything. The regular Hillsdale Dialogue will be back next week. This one will be available at hillsdale.edu. Thanks for listening to the Hillsdale Dialogues presented by Hillsdale College. For more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, or Ricochet. For more information about Hillsdale College, head to hillsdale.edu.